Loving Father, we, we cannot express the gratitude in our hearts, Lord, for your grace and mercy, for your presence in our lives, and how you watch over your children. Father, I thank you that we are under your wings, and there we abide. We never need to be afraid. Father, we, we bring all these prayer requests to you. We thank you for those praises that we've heard. And, uh, Lord, for the, um, those that are in need, we thank you and praise you again that Lois is now home. Father, we pray for Rebecca, that, Lord, you would continue to sustain her by your grace and lead her, Father, step by step, Father, and carry her. And may, may we walk with her, Lord. Uh, and try and encourage and comfort as we can. And, Father, we pray for Timna and and the missionaries there in the Ukraine. Protect, watch over them, keep them from harm, continue to allow them to carry out the gospel message and help those in need, Lord. We want to give you thanks and praise for all you've done. And now we ask your blessing upon your word And speak to our hearts through it again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Peter, and we will continue our series here. I titled Alien Life. Alien Life, and we are coming now to the end of chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to look at the last few verses of the chapter And we're going to pick it up where we left off. We're going to pick it up at verse 20 and go through verse 25. So if you'll join me here again, Peter had just been sharing with them about God's desire and for them to live holy lives and to remember that how they should conduct themselves during their stay on earth as aliens, as foreigners, and to do it in the fear of God, and then remembering their salvation, back in verse 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but redeemed with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And so there's where we left off, speaking of the lamb of God and the blood of Christ. And so now Peter continues this thought concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, he's writing to um, many of the believers who are being persecuted and suffering for Christ's sake. And so, so they need encouragement. They need to remember who they are in Christ because that is where we get our strength. When I know I'm a child of God and I remember what Jesus Christ did for me and that my salvation is not based on my works or what I did and it's based on Calvary and what the work Christ did on that cross. And so that's where we come to verse 20. So if you'll read 20 and 21 with me. Peter goes on and says, For he, Jesus Christ, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him 
are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. There, back in verse 20, he begins to talk about the plan of salvation. He had already mentioned the Lamb of God and his precious blood that that redeemed us from our sin. And when did this whole plan start? When... When did uh, was Christ? Uh, when was this all p- uh, put into motion and planned? Well, look at there again, verse twenty. For he, Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Now that word foreknown or foreknowledge. Uh, in the Greek, it's very simple. It basically means to know beha- beforehand. To know beforehand. So in other words, <clears throat> God knew beforehand, way before the foundation of the world, he knew what uh, uh, he was going to do. And Jesus knew the plan of his father. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus knew that his father was going to send him to a sin-cursed world. This is before Adam and Eve ever sinned and so god knew ahead of time that he would send his son the lord jesus and jesus knew that he would be sent in the world to save sinners and he knew of course adam and eve would sin now this in no way uh, means that god caused adam and eve to sin now we know that god is sovereign and we're gonna we're gonna look more into that here in a moment and that uh, he's predestined things and us. But here, uh, when we speak of that sin, remember that God commanded them, warned them not to sin. But God did not say, okay, I warned you not to sin, now I'm going to make you sin. He did not do such a thing. We must remember that, that sin is our own responsibility. And therefore... No one is without excuse who goes to hell. That's why the gospel is preached. And I love, again, thank you, Nick, for your message this morning, your powerful message on the gospel and, uh, and how, what a tremendous presentation he gave us from the word of God. And, and again, he focused on the preaching of the gospel because those who would be saved by it have to hear it. Now, if, if, <clears throat> if God had, God could have predestined everything in such a way that nobody would have ever sinned, Adam would have sinned, he would never have to send his son to die on a cross. Could not God have done such a thing? Yes, he could have because he's God, but he chose not to. God allowed the events of history, though he was overseeing it and controlling, he allowed, he formed the world, Jesus was given the authority to create the world and the universe, and then they created man, the the triune God, let us make man in our image, and they created, of course, uh, Adam and Eve, but then God gave man a free will. 
And here is that, uh, again, you get that debate going, which I, would, I never get into the debate about uh, the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man to believe by faith and the, the man's free will. Because uh, as I always used to share, both are in Scripture, both truths. There is uh, the, the uh, election. God chose us before the foundation of the world. That is one truth we find in Scripture. You know what another truth is I find in Scripture? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. I must believe. That's a free will of man to believe and must choose. So therefore, I see both truths in the word of God. We can't reconcile them because our human mind cannot comprehend it or God's plan. But God put them both in here, and so we just believe both. We believe that he chose us before the foundation of the world, yet I know that I had, he had to bring me to salvation, to a place of salvation. And uh, that, that takes us to Ephesians chapter 2. So if you'll turn to Ephesians 2 with me, Tremendous passage of scripture here. Ephesians 2. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Ephesians Ephesians 1. (laughs) Not not 2. Ephesians 1, and we'll pick it up at verse 3. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And here's the great encouragement. Just as he chose us in him before what? The foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. Okay, so, so Peter is saying that Jesus was chosen and the plan of salvation, he was given as the Lamb of God before the foundation of the world. Well, here, Paul's speaking of you and I, that he, the Lord, chose us before the foundation of the world so that we might be holy and blameless before him in love. And then verse 5, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. So here, Paul speaks of God has predestined us to be saved, to be his children, to adopt us as children. Just like a parents would go and adopt a child and say, I think I'll take that child, and we'll, we would like to adopt that child. And so God chose us before the foundation of the world. And yet there was the foreknowledge of God that God knew beforehand what he was going to do, what was going to transpire, what was going to happen. And uh, I love it. I love it that it was, I want to share this statement with you, okay? Um, God's foreknowledge demonstrates one very important aspect of his character, his omniscience. His predestination 
demonstrates another very important aspect of his character. His omnipotence. Think of that. Let me say it again. God's foreknowledge demonstrates one very important aspect of his character. His omniscience. His predestination demonstrates another very important aspect of his character. His omnipotence. His almighty power. And again, we can find these, uh, we find throughout Scripture God's uh, foreknowledge. We see God's foreknowledge, and yet we see his predestination, like Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 1. You know, God said, I knew you before you were formed, and I appointed you. So in other words, he chose Jeremiah to be his his prophet before he was ever born. So turn back with me now to First Peter, again, chapter 1. And Peter's trying to, to convey this because what does, knowing that God foreknew that, and, and predestined that you and I would be his, that we were chosen, and he appeared, Jesus appeared in the last days, again, uh, verse 20, for he was foreknown, For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last days for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. Through Christ, we are believers in God. So again, he's reminding them of that that Jesus appeared for our sakes, and it was through belief in Jesus Christ, through him, that we became believers of God himself, God the Father, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, raised Jesus up from the dead and then glorified him. He ascended into heaven so that your faith and your and hope are in God. Here he's reminding the saints again that remember that you came, to, you came to God through Jesus Christ, and this was all planned before the foundation of the world, but he came for you in, 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 in this time, in these last times, he came for your sake and became the Lamb of God and shed his blood and, and became that sacrifice for your sins and mine. And therefore, remember that he was raised from the dead God the Father glorified him, and this was all done so that your faith and hope are in God. So my faith and hope is in God because of what Jesus did for me, because of my knowledge of the gospel, because I heard the gospel one day, and, and, I, and, I, and I believed it, and the Lord brought that gospel to my ears. And for me, it was when I was five years old, my mother... Christmas time. It was around Christmas. We were uh, sharing. They were sharing with me the Christmas story, but why Jesus came. And then, then my mom said, "Would you, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart, Larry, and to wash your sins away?" And at five years old, I believed that simple message. And so we, I knelt down beside the bed with my mom, and prayed the sinner's prayer with her. And that's where it began. And I believed it was that day that I was saved. But of course, 
my, my knowledge, I did not have great knowledge of doctrine or anything else of doctrine or salvation or other things, but I knew that I needed to be saved because I knew I had sin. And I needed, and I, I was told that Jesus died for me, took my punishment. And so as a simple uh, child, uh, by, by simple faith, I trusted him. And I know, how many of you were saved as a child? Raise your hand. Look at this. If you find out how many have been, were saved at a young age, and that's why uh, uh, we've loved the ministry of Child of Anderson Fellowship over the years. It's had such an impact. God has used that, that uh, ministry to reach children for Christ through the years. And pray for Anna as, uh, again, there, there's been a transition in Child of Anderson Fellowship for this summer. We're having them here to do, uh, again, we're having uh, our day camp, a CF day camp. <clears throat> but uh, things have changed with the uh, situation with the director. And so um, they're, they're, they're trying to bring things back together because Mr. Ralph, as you know, uh, retired. <clears throat> and so they had someone to take his place. Well, that individual... Uh, it was supposed to be all, all ready to go for the summer and then suddenly felt the Lord wanted her somewhere else and just uh, decided, told the committee, I'm sorry, I have to, um, I, I, the Lord, I don't believe I, I can stay. And so uh, for whatever personal reasons. And so suddenly the the CF committee is coming together and trying to, <clears throat> Uh, put things together for you know such short notice for the summer they're still working with that the director who is is stepping down but she's helping but Anna is going to be helping and trying to come alongside and kind of help as a as going to be uh, involved in a lot of responsibility for child events of fellowship but we have seen kids saved here and so pray pray for child events and fellowship the reason I said that is that we might pray for the ministry and for those involved. And uh, again, we've seen over and over the years how many children came to Christ through the ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship. And that's why, why our children's ministries here at church, Jonestown Bible Church, and the school are so vital, vitally important to reach kids for Christ. But here, Peter uh, is, again, just making it plain plainly understood that their faith came through Jesus Christ alone. And then we come now to verse 22. Verse 22. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart for which you have been born for which you have been born again not of seed which is perishable but imperishable that is through the living and abiding word of god and so now peter is going to get practical because now he's he's been he's been having them look upward right vertical looking at Christ, looking at their salvation, who they are in Christ. 
But then he takes that, and now he's going to make it practical on a horizontal level, uh, where it, 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 the relationship between believers, uh, the body of Christ. And so he says there, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren. Now, that statement there, <clears throat> uh, he's, he, notice he uses the word since, since you have, which means it's already done, past tense. You have, you have in obedience to the truth. What is the truth? It's the gospel. Since in obedience to the truth, what have you done? By believing in the gospel, right, in obedience to the truth and believing in Christ, you purified your souls for what? For the ability to have a sincere love of the brethren, for a sincere love of the brethren. In other words, God put a, a, the, a sincere love in our hearts once we were saved, we had the ability to love that we never had before, to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. The scriptures make it plain throughout that the unconverted person, the unsaved person, uh, it, it really does not have the ability to demonstrate genuine agape love the deepest kind of love. But here, as Peter is talking about love, it's interesting the way he puts this. He says, now you have, because you've been, you've, you've uh, uh, been saved, you've purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren. That word love of the brethren there, that is the word phileo, okay? And that's the Greek word for brotherly love. And that's where, of course, we get the word Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. You want to come to Philly with me sometime and see the love? I could show you all around. Actually, it's missing. A lot of the love is missing. But there it is. Here he's talking about that brotherly love that we are given the power through the Holy Spirit to love one another uh, with a deep brotherly love, okay? And that's like family love. And sometimes, uh, have you ever, you love your brother, you love your sister, and, uh, but then you've, you, you suddenly went at it. You remember those times where you, you locked horns and you just basically, uh, then you're maybe screaming at each other, yelling at each other, or they have a disagreement, you don't talk for a while, but then you come back and you, and you make amends and you, you, you know, there's that brotherly love. Yes, there's going to be conflict. But this uh, brotherly love, what, notice he says that you've give, been given the ability for sincere agape love. I'm sorry, not agape, phileo. We're going to get to agape later. But a sincere phileo, love of the brethren. I love that word sincere. Uh, the, the, the idea in the Greek of the word sincere uh, literally means, and it has the idea of uh, without hypocrisy, without hypocrisy. And 
The Greek word here for sincere literally means without wax. Without wax. I don't know if you've ever heard this term before used, without wax. Why in the world would the word sincere in the Greek mean without wax? Well, it means you go to the ear doctor and he cleans out. No, it doesn't mean that. Without wax. What that refers to is potters in ancient times. Sometimes they would make their pottery with inferior clay, and then it would have cracks in it after it was put in the kiln, and, and the cracks would show, begin to show. Well, a dishonest potter would take that, he would take some wax, and he would rub it into the cracks of the pot, a piece of pottery so that basically you can't, couldn't see the cracks. So he made it look gloss over like you wouldn't, unless you really look, look close, so that he could still sell that piece of pottery, but it was cracked. But it was a cover-up. It was, it, and that's what it means without wax, which means a piece of pottery that is, is pure, that is put together without cover-up. And hypocrisy is, is, you know, pretending something that it's not putting on a mask. And so he's basically saying we uh, should, can love each other, have the ability through Christ to love each other without hypocrisy. And how important that is to remember that we've been given that, uh, that ability to sincerely love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. But then he says, now you have this ability, you have this love given to you, but now you, he wants. He says, I want you to take it a step further. And then he says at the end of verse 22, fervently love one another from the heart. Now, I already talked about a sincere love of the brethren, but now he's going a step further. He's saying, okay, you've shown that you have that love, sincere love for one another because you're in Christ. Your souls have been purified. You've been saved. But there's something else that you must do, that that you must choose. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can do this. Fervently love one another from the heart. And the word love there is now the word agape, which is the deepest uh, type of love that the Greeks couldn't understand. It's the love that sent Jesus to Calvary. Unconditional love. And so here we see that Peter is focusing upon loving one another, loving each other, and not only just loving one another with agape love, he says, fervently love one another. To fervently love one another. This is, uh, now this word fervently, to fervently love one another, again, if you go back to the the meaning in in the Greek, it has the idea of stretching to the limit, stretching your muscles to the limit as far as you can go. And how that was used, it was in relation to someone who was rowing, say rowing a boat. And they were, they were out there w- with the uh, oars and they were 
they're pulling, trying to move that boat as hard as they could, especially like in a storm. And that word is used when the disciples were out on the, on the uh, Sea of Galilee. Remember, Jesus sent them out there and the storm rose up and they were rowing for dear life and they were straining and stretching. And that's, the, that's what this word means fervently or earnestly. Earnestly love one another, fervently love, which means do it with all your strength to love one another, to agape one another, and make sure it's from the heart, he says, from the heart. And that means deep down, it's got to come from deep within me. Turn to 1 John with me, if you would. Let's go to 1 John as we're going to begin to wrap this up. But 1 John chapter 2. Of course, John is the apostle of love, as he's so called, the beloved, John the beloved. But here in 1 John, he he speaks over and over again about about the love of God. Uh, about love and about hating a brother or sister, which would give evidence that maybe we're not saved. 1 John 2, verse 9. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother, opposite of love, hates his brother is what? In the darkness until now. Verse 10, the one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. So John is making it clear that this love, again, should be evidence that you are saved. And remember what Jesus said it. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you what? Love, have love one for another. And then go over to chapter 3, 1 John 3, verse 10. 1 John 3, look what he says in verse 10. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother there it is he's talking again about loving the brethren and and note the key word there is practicing righteousness or love so it's it means that that you it's a it's your life is uh practices does not practice any righteousness at all that's evidence that i'm not saved that i can't be saved if you don't see any evidence in my life at all of righteousness, nor if I don't have any love for my brother or sister in Christ. And there are those that will go around and some think that they're saved, you know, that, or act like they're, you know, pretend they're saved. They profess to be Christians, but they basically have zero love at all for the brothers and sisters in Christ. How sad that is. And, but Peter is concerned with the believers in the midst of their trials and their persecution, he wants to make sure that they don't get to the place where they turn on each other, but they continue to love one another, even if it's difficult to do so. 
Have you ever had, found it hard to love a brother or sister in Christ? Like the way you ought to. Like unconditionally. Especially those that have wronged you or wronged me. Yes. And then, then to love them this way with a fervent love. With all I have. And love them from my heart. Without hypocrisy. You know, that it's hard to do. But how do we do that? How do we love this way as, as Peter is, to, is trying to to encourage the saints to do. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit alone. I cannot love this way in my own strength, but that's why the Lord gave me the Holy Spirit, gave you the Holy Spirit, that he indwells us so that his love, the love of Christ, is shown through my life and can control me, my thoughts, my actions, so that I can choose to love. And remember, agape love is a choice. It's not a, just a feeling, but it's a choice. So I choose to love even if I don't feel like loving that person, that brother, sister in Christ, but it's a choice I make. And so I, ha- and I can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what do we know about agape love? It's a fruit of the Spirit, is it not? Galatians chapter 5, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Starts out right there. Love, joy. Love is, is a fruit of the Spirit. And so if you are having trouble this week with another brother, sister in Christ that has kind of kind of just, you know, you've, I don't know if it's a falling out or just something they did or didn't do. It might be someone in your family that is a Christian, but there's, there's, there's been friction, something, and you've found it hard to love that individual. With, ask the Lord, let us ask the Lord to give us the love, his love, to be able to love fervently from the heart. And we will be able to do it because the Holy Spirit will give us the power to do that. So look back here at First Peter 2. And let's just finish the uh, last few verses here. <clears throat> then he goes on, verse 23 through 25. He reminds them again that, remember who you are. Verse 23, for you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, human seed, fleshly seed, but is imperishable. That is, through the living and abiding word of God. And there again, that takes back to what Nick was sharing this morning in a powerful way. He talked about the gospel, the seed of the gospel. How were you born again? It says right here, we were born again by, uh, by the seed of the that came from the living and abiding word of God, the preaching of the word of God, the gospel right there. When we preach the scriptures and preach the word of God, that is when people are born again and say the Holy Spirit brings, uh, takes away the scales off the eyes, spiritual eyes, and a person sees and is born again. But he's driving this home again. He's saying, dear Christian, 
you be, remember who you are in Christ, that you've been changed, that you've been born again by the word of God, and therefore you should be loving one another with a fervent love from the heart. How important it is. And then he concludes, verse 24. As, as, he, as he concludes here, uh, he is, uh, uh, Peter's actually going to quote here from, uh, from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 24. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. And the grass, grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord, what, abides forever. He's telling them again that the word of God which saved you, the gospel, it saved you, it will abide, it abides forever. Nothing can change it. Everything else in this life will fade and all flesh, anything made of flesh and material things, it's all going to fade away. But the word of God will never fade away. It abides forever and it abides in you and in me. And then he concludes verse 25. And this is the word which was what? Preached to you. There it is. This is the word, the gospel that was preached to you. The living word of God. And again, let us leave here and this week, again, be ready to... to, Speak the word of God, speak the gospel in our conversations with others and being able to share Christ with others. And, and it, sometimes it'll just start with what did you, what Jesus, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And that's a great place to start for, with your testimony. You know that this is where I was, this is what Jesus did for me. And I want you to introduce you to my Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. And then we, we share with them who Jesus is. But Peter is again is saying in conclusion here, child of God, you've been born through Jesus Christ, born again spiritually and through the living word of God. Now, because of that, you have the ability and power to choose to love even the unlovable brother or sister in Christ. We can do that, and may God help us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for these beautiful words of exhortation, Lord, given by Peter, which you gave him so long ago to write down for our, on our behalf for our hearts. Father, may we leave here seeking to love the way you want us to love, to love one another, Father, with that agape love. And to love each other fervently, Father. And then to be willing, Lord, to live out the gospel. And to may it be on our lips. That the word of God, Father, might pour out of us, Lord, like living water. And that we might see others come to Christ because of it. We ask all this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Amen.